I'm going to read out of the book of 1 John chapter 2. You're welcome to turn your Bibles there or look at it on the screen. Thank you for coming today. If you're a guest with us today, we're so honored to have you. Be sure after the service, go out the door to the right to the Welcome Center. There's a gift for you, but also for all uh, the men, we honor you on this Father's Day, guys. And uh, we have those treats after the service for you as well. Thank you for Joy and the Helping Hands team to uh, provide all of that. And to get all that, just a spirit of excellence out there, Joy, thank you so much. I'm going to read out of this passage, and I'm going to talk to us this morning about decisions. Everybody say decisions. Decisions, decisions, decisions. Our decisions of today are our realities we walk in tomorrow. It's been said that our destiny swings on the hinges of our next decision. And God has given us a secret to know Him. Last Sunday we talked about it, that it would not be found in our own wisdom, are our own might, our own riches, but that we can know God, the one true God. And today, this is the decision. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 4, it says, He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Verse 5 says, But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him, but this we know that we are in him. That's why Jesus said in the book of John, chapter 15. He says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you will ask what you wish for and it shall be given unto you. That's making the right decision. Father, thank you today for your word. It's a lamp and it's a light. We're trusting you to make that decision to honor and serve you. In the mighty name of Jesus and all God's men and women said, amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're good looking. I'm making that decision and just go ahead and sit down. Thank you, worship team. You really are good looking folks. Even Jerry, he's good looking now. I don't know, he shaved the beard and now he's, he's gotten better. Now, I'm so thankful you're here. I, what did he do? He didn't, he, you didn't give me the one-way backslidden peace sign, did you? What'd you do back there? I want you to think about something today because I think it's so important to make the right decisions. I want to encourage you to, uh, if you can make it this Wednesday night, I just want to reiterate our power nights, our night of inspiration. Uh, our first one was last Wednesday, and it was such a dream come true for us because for those of you that don't know, we had a great dream to start that Lord's Gym City Center years ago, and it became a reality in January of this year. And that dream becoming a reality started something phenomenal, giving this community a place to go physically. As a matter of fact, the Lord's Gym City Center today has almost uh, a little over 3,000 members and 1,500 of them are teenagers because we're given a place physically to go. The teenagers are being sponsored. That means they're not paying to be there month to month, day to day or week to week. We love them. We're sponsoring them to be there. And we have 1,500 of them that are coming to that facility. So we're giving them a physical place. Then we started a couple months later in February and March, we started dealing with them uh, emotionally. So not only are we giving them a, a physical place, but now we dealt with them through emotional, how to deal with conflict, how to do job applications, how to present yourself well. Last week, Chick-fil-A was there and the owner of Chick-fil-A here in Stockton, they came in with their team and told kids how to have mock interviews and they gave to the best kid that had the interview, they gave him a job at Chick-fil-A. That, that just happened. So... Dealing with them physically, dealing with them emotionally. And last Wednesday was a great dream because we're, 
we've got to do it spiritually. We had our first power night, and it was such a phenomenal night. And I got to tell you one story before I minister the word. There was a, a young man there by the name of Larry, and Larry had been coming since January, 17 years old, and uh, so thankful for Octavio's providing all the food throughout the week. And Wednesday night, they provided all the burritos. Thank you to the wonderful family here. Thank you, guys. Carissa and Octavio's for just providing that. Uh, we're so thankful for that. But the thing that was so phenomenal, not only the food and just the atmosphere, but we started our, our midweek uh, inspirational night. And so we had a great night. And there's this young man there. We've been just kind of loving on Larry, 17 years old, in and out of juvenile hall, making bad decisions. And, but he's coming to the city center. We've even had his parole officer, his probation officer come looking for him. And the only place he came when he went to the house, Larry wasn't there. He came to the city center and he found Larry because he comes all the time. And Larry's a, he's a leader. And it was just wonderful that night because those of you that were here there last Wednesday, when I got to the end, I shared my story of how I came to the Lord and how that city center has become a reality because of wonderful people like yourself and not quitting and not giving up on a dream. And I got to the end and I, and, and the older you get and the more successful we become in life, how many of you know it can be more difficult to share your pains, to share your hurts, to share your, your lack and what you don't have. And so that night for me specifically, Specifically, it was tough because I was sharing everything I'm not. I was sharing all of my abuse and my pain, and it was just it was just pulling out of me. So I get to the end, and I said, "If you're here tonight and you need to give your heart to Christ, I'm going to count to three. And if you if you made that decision for Christ, you want to say that special prayer. I want you to stand to your feet." And so I did it. I, I counted to three, and. I'll tell you what, it was so wonderful. Those of you that were there, you saw it. People stood to their feet. They stood to their feet. They received the Lord. That was great. And then I watched as the front row of Larry and his whole crew was on that front row of these young men and remind you that 80% of young men today and women do not have a father figure in the home, 80%. And so here we are, we're living in a society, a fatherless generation, and here this young man, 17-year-old, he makes a stand for Christ last Wednesday night. Larry stands to his feet, and it was so neat because when he stood to his feet, his friends, all of his friends, they stood to their feet. The whole row stood up to receive Christ. So touched my heart. And, you know, I was, I was emotional and I, you know, I was, I was so moved by that. It was a dream come true for us. And I'll never forget it because Larry, this kid that was uh, making bad decisions, he, he came in front of all those people, all of his friends, and he hugged me. He hugged me. And I'm going to tell you what he hugged me like. You know, he started like the side, you know, bro hug. And then, and then it went a little bit harder and a little bit harder. And what he was really doing, and he didn't even realize it, he was, he was in need of a father. And he was hugging me because I, I was a spiritual representation of what a father needs to be to that young man. And I got to tell you, oh, it's actually a picture of it. Oh, fantastic. And uh, I tell you, it just touched my heart. And we're not stopping those services. We're going to do those every Wednesday night. Uh, they're just wonderful things. So I want you guys to be a part of it. My friend Darwin will be with us this Wednesday. If you've never heard Darwin share, uh, it'll be very inspirational to you as well. That's this Wednesday night. So enough with that. I just wanted you to know that because some of you have never been over to the city center. Some of you think it's just a gym or it's just a youth center. Uh, one of the greatest things for those of us that were there Wednesday night, and I'm just bragging on it for a minute because not only did 
we have a, a service in the basketball court, but they also had a U-Jam class going on. And they also had the gym was working. People were working out and people were playing the games and the facility didn't stop because we were having services. And all those people that were in there, they were listening to the word of God being preached and the testimony. Well, I just, I don't know about you, but that's just unique. That's just really unique. And, uh, it was just really unique. I just thought that was special. You know, I'm just uh, was touched by that. But I think about the source. What makes things like that a reality? When God puts a dream in your heart, what makes the dream become a reality? It's always got to be connected to a source, a source of power, a source of something. If you're not connected to the right source, you're going to produce the wrong thing. How many of you know everything has a source, a positive source or a negative source? And when you know God as your source, how many of you realize when God is your source, your success is unlimited? That's why Jesus said in his word, I'm the vine and you are the branches. Your success is dependent on you hooked to the right source. When you're hooked to me, you have a future that's without limits because I am the source and you are an extension of that source, the branches. You're growing out of me. And when your success is dependent upon a relationship with God, then your future truly can be without limits. That's why he said in his word, without me, you can produce nothing. And that's what many people do when they're not connected to the right source. They're not producing good things and it ends up producing nothing. That's why Jesus said nothing's impossible to them that believe. When God creates something, he always has a source. I talked about it last Sunday. The plant needs a source. The source is the dirt. God created the plant, but he needed the source for the plant to grow. So he puts the plant to the source, which is the dirt. Take the plant out of the dirt, the plant begins to die. The fish needs water because water is the source for the fish to live. Take the fish out of the water. Now you're eating it. It's on your plate. It's called lunchtime. When God created you and I, he created us out of himself. That's why he said, let us mean God, the father, the son, the Holy Spirit. We call it the Trinity. Let us make man in our own image. He says, I'm going to breathe into that being called man and out of the Ruach of God, the breath of God, this eternal soul is going to come out. That means you came from God. You came through your mother, but you came from almighty God. You need to know that because when you were conceived in your mother's womb, God, the father turned to the holy angels and said, watch my miracle, watch my miracle, because he, you came from Almighty God. That means when your flesh dies, it goes back to the ground. The flesh goes back to the dirt. But the spiritual side of you and I, the God-breathed side, goes into the eternal presence of Almighty God, which is a place called heaven forever and forever. You came out of God, and the breath of God is the Word of God. That's why the Word of God is so important, because it's the breath of God. It begins to breathe life into you, because it's connected to the source. And the moment you get away from that spiritual source, you start to spiritually die. Therefore, the Word of God is the, is the spiritual source of a victory. It's the spiritual source of how do you to be an overcomer, a person that's above and not beneath. That's why we 
use the word omnipotent, which is omnipotent. And that just simply translates power without limits. You came out of God. Therefore, you and I can have power without limits. The Bible says nothing's impossible to them that believes. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 says, Now unto him who is able, God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can ask, think, dream, or imagine. What is it lately that you've imagined? If you imagine yourself broke, busted, and disgusting, that's going to be a self-fulfilling reality. What is it that you're imagining today? Can't you see what God begins to see when you start looking with the eyes of faith through the word of the living God because it's the source of life? What is it that you need to imagine? You need to imagine the strength that only God can give. That's why he says, unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can ask, think, dream, or imagine. So why don't you today imagine yourself being healthy and strong? Imagine yourself having a family that rises back and calls you blessed. Imagine yourself being out of debt, paying off your house and paying off other people's home. You say, well, I can't imagine that. That's too far out. We serve a far out God. Just imagine what God can do when you're connected to the source. He says, unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask, think, dream, or imagine. And it says, according to the power. That power is God's power, and that power is inside of us as a believer. If you are a believer, you have power. That means you are destined to succeed. What you bind on earth, Jesus said, will be bound on heaven. What you loose down on earth will be loosed in heaven. Many of God's children are sitting back on their thumbs waiting for for God to take initiative when it comes to the problem of imagining. But I believe that God has already said to all of us, I've already finished the work of Calvary. I've already conquered death, hell, and the grave. I've already conquered demon and disease. What you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What you loose down on earth will be loosed in heaven. God is saying today, what you will begin to imagine, what you will begin to speak out because of the word of God, you can make it a reality because nothing is impossible to them that believe. That's why Jesus said, when you make the right decision, if my word remains in you and your word remains in me, ask what you will and it will be done for you. But many people see when they hear scriptures like that and they, they get told things like that, their mind goes on tilt and they start saying to themselves, I don't really know if I can believe that. And the reason is many people know about God, but they truly don't know the Lord. They know about him because of what they've been taught or raised in a religious upbringing, but they truly don't know the Lord. That's why I love what the prophet Jeremiah said. I talked about it last Sunday in Jeremiah 9, because Jeremiah the prophet says that I may know the Lord. And then he says, I know the Lord. I like that because God being no respecter of people, God not caring what time, date, or place man lives in. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If Jeremiah could know the Lord, then that tells me something amazing for us today, that we also can truly know the Lord, that we don't have to be wandering uh, like uh, to and fro because of the winds and waves of life. We don't have to be upset when things don't go our way. We can truly be steadfast and resilient resolve in our hearts that we know God. And if we know God because he first loved us, then all of my major decisions are already been made. Because when you know that God is your source, 
all of your major decisions are already made. Now think about that. Why? Because he is the Savior and we are his servants. All of my major decisions are already made. Not only is he the Savior and I'm the servant, but the Bible says he is the potter and we are the what? Clay. Clay doesn't wake up each day and tell the potter what it wants to be. Clay is clay because it's in the potter's hands and the potter makes the clay exactly what it wants to become. We are the sheep. He is the shepherd. Sheep don't tell the shepherd where to go. The Bible says this is the way walk ye in it. You and I are a result of following the chief shepherd, which is Jesus Christ. He leads, we follow. That means our major decisions have already been made. When one door closes, we're waiting for the other one and we'll praise God in the hallway until he opens up another door. We're not going to get discouraged or bent, bent out of shape. All of our major decisions are already made. Whom shall I worship? Shall I worship Mother Earth? There is no Mother Earth. There's only Father God, the creator of heaven and earth. Whom shall I worship? I worship him and him alone. That means Buddha is out. Allah is out. Mohammed is out. Joseph and Mary, uh, uh, Joseph Smith is out. The Virgin Mary worship is out. We worship one God. His name is the Jesus Christ, the son of God. And there is no other. Now think about that. Not only shall I worship God, I shan't, I shan't, I don't worship mother earth. And the reason why I say that because these neo environmentalists now are telling us that God is in everything. So God, you're to worship the tree and you're to worship the snail and you're to, you're to worship creation. The Bible says creation testifies of the glory of Almighty God. We're not to worship the creation. We're worshiping the Creator who made the heavens, who made the earth, who made the sky, who made the, the beautiful backdrops that we get to enjoy. He's a wonderful painter who made you and I. That's why when you see a handsome person, whether it's a guy or a girl, if you're a guy and you see a beautiful girl, you say, good job, God, because God created them. It is a matter of putting God first. So all all these major decisions are already made. How about the decision on how shall I work? Often get a job. The Bible says six days you got to work. Nothing in life works until we do. That's why when people try to put their hope in a government issue or an institution or government resources, beware what you put your trust into because the government that gives you everything has the ability and power to take away everything. So don't put your hope in the government, how shall I work? Often work unto the Lord. Because you're not doing it unto man, you're doing it unto God. I'm talking about major decisions that have already been made. Whom shall I marry? You say, well, Joey, I'm, I'm single and I'm ready to mingle. So who shall I marry? Shall I go on farmersonly.com so I won't be lonely? I hope not. Shall I go on Christian hookup? No, you wait on the Lord. Whom shall I marry? You first off have to establish the parameters of what God wants. So now in the 21st century, first off, you have to marry somebody of the opposite sex. That means if a man is looking for to marry somebody, he's got to first start off with marrying a woman. And a woman's got to start off by marrying a man. Not people that are confused saying they're in love. See, that's knowing about God and an attribute of God, but that's not truly knowing him. 
And that's important to know. It's worthy of a conversation, but not for this day. That's important. So once you establish that, who am I to marry? I'm to marry somebody of the opposite sex. Then I got to establish the core values because I believe core values are far more important than shared interest. Shared interest change, especially men. You act like you're all fit, ready to work out because you're single. Then you find yourself getting married and you and your lady, your girlfriend, now your wife, you all had all this working out stuff because you were trying to hook up with her. And then you got married and she watched you go more and more on the couch. And now you don't even want to say the word CrossFit because you're crossing your fingers, hoping your pants fit. That's funny. That is funny. I don't care what you think. So I don't think that shared values are, are, I I don't think that, I think shared values are far more important than shared interests. And the reason why I say that, because interests change. You know, some of you that are a little bit older, you actually like disco. You had an interest in disco. Don't look at me like that. Some of you know you were, you were a disco inferno. Uh, yeah, you, you had the Bee Gees hair. I know you. And some of you were 80s rocking out to Backstreet's back. I hope they never come back. I'm just saying. But I don't think that, I don't think that shared interests are the issues. I think that shared values are most important because interests change over time. Values don't. Our interests, they change, but our values, they shouldn't change. So once you establish that, whom shall I marry? I marry somebody of the opposite sex. Then I got to marry a believer. That means it ain't about flirting to convert. It ain't about looking for love in all the wrong places, thinking you're going to change them. Because the only thing that changes if you marry an unbeliever is they get worse. If you're dating an alcoholic, they're going to be an alcoholic when you marry them. If you're dating an abusive person, they're going to be abusive when you marry them. And ladies, if you're dating a cheapskate and you're paying for everything, can I just tell you, stop it. If he ain't got a job now and you're ordering out of a box, out of a clown's head because he's taking you through fast food restaurants, he's probably not the best pick for you. I need somebody to help me preach this. You say, you're just meddling. I know, right? you got to date a believer. The Bible says don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. That means you're not to date an unbeliever because logic says you will marry somebody that you date. Don't date the ungodly because you're going down the wrong road because they become a person that tears you away from the promises of God, that tears you away from the source. So when you know God, Guess what he does also? He helps you raise your children. Those of us that have had deficiencies with upbringings by a lack of a parent figure, our mother, a father, the Holy Spirit comes in. I love this because where I am deficient, I know that the book of John says that I got a helper called the Holy Spirit and he comes and he begins to show me how to be a good father. He shows me how to be an amazing pastor and an amazing human being. You say, you're talking yourself up. Oh yeah, buddy. He shows me because he lives on the inside of me how to make decisions 
decisions that are godly and influential, how to look beyond the permanent, uh, a situation that's not permanent and look down the road. The spirit of God helps me to raise my children. I'm a first generation Christian, a first generation believer for my family. Jennifer and I are first generation pastors. So as that, I know that my children are going to get the blessing of the first generation and they are going to receive the blessing because we're fighting fights that they're never going to have to fight. The Bible says, Proverbs 29, 15, a child left to their own way will bring a mother and father shame. And that's why God holds us as parents responsible for raising those children. So I take the responsibility of being a spiritual daddy. I take the responsibility of being an earthly daddy. I take on that role, not because I have it in my own strength, but I take it on because I know the Holy Spirit will help me raise me up in my inadequacies and my insufficiencies and give me what I need. Dad, let me say the same to you. What you didn't get by your earthly father, you can receive from your heavenly father. You can break that generational thing today. You can break that inadequacy and that insecurity today. Though you didn't do perfect things and though you may have made wrong decisions, stop beating yourself up over something that you cannot change. There are over 80% of children that don't have a dad in the home. Let's be the solution to that ungodly problem and let's be that spiritual dad. Let's be that present parent. Let's be that somebody who reaches up and reaches out and do what only we can do, pray, intercede, and spend time with this next generation. Can somebody help me preach this message today? Now think about that. You say, your major decisions are already made in those areas? Absolutely. How about my finances? The Bible says, put me first, the kingdom of God. Seek it first, and all other things are added unto you. That includes your finances. That means honor God first when it comes to your resources. If you make uh, $100 a week, then $10 of that belongs to God because you're putting him first. If you make a million dollars a week, I want to know your name. Some of you are like, he's serious? Oh, yeah, buddy. We got lots to do. I want to talk to you. But I want you to know it's not the amount of the giving. It's the heart. It's about putting God first. The person with two mites, the widow woman, she gave far more than the Pharisees and the Sadducees because Jesus was watching the giving. He knew about a heart priority of putting God first. And those major decisions are already made. Now, think about that for a moment, because what does it what what? What does knowing God involve? Truly knowing God, what does it involve? Do you know today, friends, knowing God is far more complex than knowing a person or reading a book or learning a specific language? It's more complex than learning a language. Reminds me of the story of the three preachers who were in the car together. And as they were driving on the highway, they were having a debate what language would be spoken in heaven. One of the preachers said, I know the language is Latin. We're going to speak Latin in heaven. I promise you. The other guy said, you're crazy. We're going to be speaking Hebrew in heaven. That's the language of God. The third guy said, both y'all are wrong. We'll be speaking in tongues in heaven, and it will be interpreted and known. At that moment, they got hit in a head-on car automobile accident. Immediately, they were ushered into heaven. And as they were still debating on what language was spoken in heaven, Jesus came slowly walking toward the three men, and they turned to each other and said, we'll ask Jesus what language is spoken here. Let's wait to hear what he says. And Jesus came walking up slowly to him, and as he opened his mouth, he said, buenos dias. (laughs) 
What's wrong with you people? You don't have a sense of humor, I'm telling you. That means Spanish is spoken in heaven. But knowing God and in, is, is more than knowing another person. It, it, it's more complex than reading a book or learning a language. What does knowing God involve? Because one does not know a living thing until they know how that living thing is going to react under specific circumstances. We don't know a living thing until we know how that thing is going to react under specific circumstances. When people say, well, I, I know that person. Have you ever seen that person go through a trial? How are they going to react when they go through severe adversity? You say, well, I know that animal. How is that animal going to react under specific circumstances. I have a dear friend and he, uh, he, he raises horses and, and, and shows them and they, they do all these crazy tricks and they're very expensive horses. And he was telling me on, you can know the temperament of a horse in a very short time because you know how that horse reacts under certain conditions by, by their meaner and by their temperament because you spend time with them and you know how they act. I'll never forget asking him, well, how do those little Shetland ponies, those little short ones act? He said, those are the meanest horses ever. I said, those little ponies? He said, yes, they will bite you and they will buck you off. Those little horses look cute on the outside, but he said they are mean little horses when they get uh, certain things be done to them. I thought about that a lot because we don't know how something reacts, whether it's an animal, a dog, or a horse. You'll never know a cat. They're from you know where. You'll never know how a cat responds. Yeah, I know. It's wrong. But we can be around something and we truly don't know how it responds until it's put under specific circumstances. So when a person says, I know that horse, I know that dog, what they're really saying is, I know how that animal behaves and responds under specific circumstances. But that is a lot more different than knowing a person than it is to know an animal. You know why? Because people keep secrets. They do. People live behind masks, especially in church world. They put on the front, religious front. How are you doing today? Instead of being honest, they, they put the, glory to God, I'm doing fine. Praise the most high God of the most high God. Yay. They're really not doing fine. And you just ask them how they're doing, but they just put this whole facade on of all this Christian lingo. And I think to myself, do you do that at home? Do you do that at work? No wonder you can't get anybody to Oasis Church. That's how you act. Okay, I'm going to move on. But I think some of you are getting exactly what I'm putting down. Because it's a lot different because people keep secrets. They live behind masks. They smile at you and say, I'm doing fine, praise the Lord, when really they're not doing well at all. They have hidden motives. What you hear is not what's actually being said. You can know a horse or a dog or an animal in just a few days, but you can be around somebody for months and say to yourself, I don't know that person. And they would say the same about you. God, I don't know that person either. Because there's a fact that many people miss. You ready for it? And here's the fact. Knowing another person is a direct result of allowing them to be known to you and you to be known to them. Knowing another person is a direct result 
of allowing them to be known to you and you to be known to them. I've sat with a lot of people. I've been with a lot of people. I've met them, but I don't know them and they don't know me. But we live in a society with the social media that we put everybody on our likes page and everybody has followers in our social media and we think we know them. I don't know about you, but if I watch Instagram, I get discouraged about how awesome other people are. I don't know about you, but I see my friends that are pastors and their latest trips and their mission trips and my, my friends and that I, that I, that I know that live in another state, they're traveling to, for their vacation from church, they're traveling to like Paris, France. And I'm thinking, I might go to the Bay Area. Maybe. Man, we stink. The church has taken them to France and they won't even take an offering to take me to Oakland. Can't even take the kids to the zoo. But I have to realize they're not me and I'm not them. I know about them, but I don't truly know them. Because knowing a person is a direct result of allowing them to be known to you, but you to be known to them. And social media does the opposite. They only show you the awesome trips to Paris, France. They only show you how awesome their family is and their kids on the honor roll. And your little hell raiser just got kicked out of the one school and they are amazing and you're not. I'm just keeping it real. And we don't know them because to know each other, here's what you have to do. You have to take that person into your confidence and you must share personal details of your life with them. And they must share personal details of their life to you. And for most relationships, that just simply doesn't happen. Do you know you can sit beside someone at work or in the church for years and really not know them? Now consider what I just said and the truth of that statement to the power of knowing God when you make the decision to follow the Lord. God Almighty, He's invited every person in this room and every person watching by the way of the internet to truly and intimately know Him. The one who created it all. The one who calls those stars by name. And there are billions of those stars. He knows each one by name. The one who sits upon the circle of the earth. The one who is so mighty. He's so powerful. His nostrils can split the cedars of Lebanon. He is the one who puts kings up and he puts them down. He traces the rivers with the finger of his hand. He holds the seven seas in the palms of his hand. He is almighty, all-powerful, and all-knowing. Here's what the Creator has said. He says, call on me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things you know not. The creator of everything that we hold dear, he says to anyone, you call on me and I will show you great and mighty things you know not. Try calling a U.S. senator. Once you get through all the lines, you may make an appointment with their staff, perhaps for five minutes, maybe 10 minutes if you're lucky. It's 
selective and very limited. But the creator of the universe, he says, call me. And instantly I'm on the hotline responding to your request. I'll never leave you nor forsake you to the ends of the earth. And whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. I will keep you. I will save you. I will deliver you. I will provide for you. I will heal you. I will protect you. I'll be a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I'll be a burden bearer. I'll be a maid waker. I'll be the lover of your soul. I'll be the one who comforts you in the darkness of the night. I'll be the one who defends you and protects you. Your enemies will come in one way, but they'll have to flee seven ways. I'll be the one. All you have to do is call on me and I am yours. Hallelujah. 